you have returned to Season 2 of the Logos of Experience and Truth podcast, where I continue this journey of unlocking the hidden mysteries of the beatific vision of God for you, the spiritual pilgrim treading upon the narrow path. Prepare yourself. Episode 16 Dreams and Dream Experiences Welcome back to the Logos of Experience and Truth podcast, where we dive into the mystery of living as a fleshy conscious being as we walk upon this earth. In this episode, we will continue where we left off last time and explore the realm of dreams and their import or non-import spiritually. I know in modern times there are many sects, especially in Christianity, that frown upon dream interpretation, which is rather strange since it was an essential aspect of understanding God in the Old Testament. There is obviously the danger of trying to understand and interpret and then implement a dream depending upon one's station in life, but the general consensus in the Old Testament is that they were worthwhile to explore. No clearer examples of this are to be found than in the book of Genesis with Joseph interpreting the Pharaoh's dream of impending drought and in Daniel, where Daniel interprets the Persian king's dream and gains favor from the king. Interesting that the two books share similar thematic elements. I won't go into possible interpretations about this, though obviously by saying that, I have my own internal theories as to this. Moving forward in time through the Old Testament, I think I mentioned it prior, but when you get to what are called the minor prophets, they exclaim that God has become silent, for there are no more visions and no more dreams as they wail and wail in lamentation for God to return and help his people. Interesting as well that they distinguished between the two visions and dreams, so clearly they knew and understood them to be two different spiritual phenomena, as well as desiring that the word of God would come to them in either or. So I find it strange that there are some circles in Christianity that say that dreams are of no importance and are the work of the devil, almost as if they don't want their parishioners having contact with the mystery of God. To be fair though, since I'm remembering I think the stance on dream interpretation is more geared towards not placing your entire spiritual existence on them, let's do something boring right now. Math. If we calculate the number of days over the 20-year span from my near-death experience in 2001 to this year, 2021, 20 times 365 days would give us 7,300 days during that span. Since I'm not going to count, and I have journals from these early years that were handwritten and are utterly incomprehensible to me due to how fast I was writing them, and I can't know exactly how many dreams I wrote about during these early years, let's just say I have detailed notes of a spiritual nature of about 100 dreams in my database. That equals about 1.3% of all the days during a 20-year span giving me dreams that I felt were spiritually important enough to jot down. We're only going to be exploring four, maybe five dreams here, or the most important dreams out of those hundred or so dreams, which is like 0.0007% of the number of dreams I've had since my near-death awakening experience, being of a certain level of magnitude and gravitas. So I can definitely appreciate the Christian voices that say not to put too much trust in one's dreams, just as I can say that building the habit of keeping track of those dreams, even though tiresome and tedious, will every now and then give spectacular dreams of a spiritual nature. Genuine spiritual experience is rather rare, so why not stay open to the possibility occurring a few times over a lifetime through dream journaling and interpretation? 
Only you, dear listener or reader, can decide if building that habit of dream journaling is worth the time, alongside following the words of the wise or the saints that teach the importance of discernment, since this is one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit that is incredibly important when it comes to the interpretation of dreams. Unfortunately, I'm unclear on the exact timeline of the three to four dreams we'll discuss during this time period, and I say three to four since one of these is such a strange experience that I still don't know if I was dreaming, had a vision of some sort, or had just gone batshit crazy for a brief five minutes since I have no idea what the heck this was. I would later have a similar experience that was in fact a dream after my more recent mystical visions in 2018, along with understanding what this experience and the unclear experience meant at both times, personally and mythologically, since this is one of those experiences I had that revealed the mysteries of the ancient classical Hellenistic world of mythology to me. Cryptic, I know, but you'll understand further as we move along. The first of these dreams, if I remember correctly, I've already discussed in a previous podcast episode in Season 1, while briefly mentioning that I think more in terms of pre-existence versus reincarnation. I was inside of a brightly lit room that appeared to me to be a library of sorts since I was seated and reading through some sort of book and the wall next to me had more books. The door opened behind me and an incredibly luminous being was standing at the doorway with things floating to the side off its back, which obviously in the dream told me the being was an angel. It had no face, so I can't describe that to you, but the being spoke. He said, you are needed on earth and nothing more. The primary element I remember was my reaction to what this being had said to me. I wasn't happy, wasn't thrilled, wasn't excited at the prospect, wasn't heroically ready for the challenge. It was more of an annoyance, more of a setback, or more of a grievance that I had been called up since my only verbal reaction to this in the dream was, ah, crap, or something to that degree. But I closed the book, got up, and walked out into the doorway alongside the being, and in the dream, I wasn't in the shoes of myself, but was seeing myself walk out of the doorway and down what looked like a hallway with the angel in tow. At the time, I felt this dream was giving me a sense of purpose to all that I was reading and studying, that my methods were worthwhile to the world in a way, and that I must continue, for I existed with a purpose. It wasn't until later on when I started seeing this in the pre-existent manner, since it took time to work my mind around the differences in understanding a spiritual or soul-filled human body, and if this existed in eternity with God after death, then the question of did it also exist prior to life on earth as well naturally arose. In an interesting foreshadow, I would have a similar dream when I finally emerged out of the desert of the soul phase and returned back to walking the narrow path towards the mysteries once more, which I'll recount in a later episode. The next dream might get me flamed by Christians, but I know what I dreamt and some of the thoughts I've had regarding what I saw in the dream can't be held back for the sake of existing within any one paradigm of thought or religion, for I exist in many paradigms of thought. If you haven't understood this about me quite yet, hopefully I'm being crystal clear. My eyes opened up inside of the dream and I found myself surrounded by space. But I looked ahead of me and there was another body seated right in front of me and we were moving. When I turned to the side and looked at what else there was, I could see the planet Earth beneath or to the side of me, however you want to imagine the vantage point, with many, many rings stretching out of the planet, like conveyor belts stretching out and into space. And upon each of these ring belts that moved almost mechanically were seated innumerable bodies of seated beings. 
The only thing I've ever seen that matches this in popular media, just so you can understand and get a second visual, was in The Matrix, when Neo takes the red pill and wakes up for the first time and looks and sees all the other people in their little embryo sacks and the ring skyscraper-looking buildings with the machines attending to them. The key detail that I noticed in the dream, though, was that the colors of each of the bodies on these conveyor belts streaming and extending outward from the planet were different. Now, just to be clear, during this hyper-racial time period, I don't mean color of skin. It was more their luminosity, their inner light, or if we get esoteric, New Age, or Eastern, their aura. But there were only two different colors to these hues. It was either black, or merging into space, or disappearing, I suppose, or blue. I say disappearing because those that appeared to lack the blue hue to them and only had a tiny portion of this light within them I knew intuitively to be in a state of misery. And there were many with this different space color gradation upon their bodies. If you need another visual, I just bought my daughter a Marvel action figure called Genesis Vell, and his body is like a star body. So these beings on this conveyor belt look like this, but without the starlight actually upon them, those sort of being reflectors of the lights that surrounded them, and again, more of a merging into or a dissolving into space. There were other bodies with various gradations of blue, with the overwhelming majority of them just a barely visible blue hue, and I remember seeing one body that was intensely blue and was seated fully upright as it sat upon this conveyor belt thing, and when I looked at this being, I intuitively knew it experienced no misery as all these other ones did. Another of the details was all those that were without the blue light seemed to be crouched and hunched in their seated position where the blue-hued bodies appeared to be more upright, especially the brightly lit blue being. Now, I could easily lie and tell you what my color was, but I honestly don't remember checking what color my body was before waking up from this dream. So where I may get flamed on is from the comment I'm going to make regarding this. I am positive that whoever it was, whenever it began in India, since I don't know the fullness of the history of India or the Hindu religion, but whoever it was that first began artistically depicting the Hindu pantheon of gods in the color blue probably saw what I saw, or something similar that they would understand in their worldview and time period compared to what I saw in my worldview and time period. There could have been a multitude of other colors on the bodies, especially considering this was sort of a vision and definitely a dream, but no, it was either space-like disappearing black or blue, with only one of the beings on these infinitely numerous belts extending out of the planet intensely blue. And obviously, if you've seen any depictions of the Hindu gods, they are all depicted with their skin as the color blue. That's all I'll say about that, and you can take it for what it's worth. I think there's also some esoteric stuff that says heaven and the spirit are blue as well. And now that I get to this next dream, I may get flamed for it as well, especially when I give the same type of interpretation of where in the West I've seen this experience depicted as something to be feared, evil, the work of the devil, especially since it arose during the superstitious medieval time period. I mentioned this type of dream experience briefly in a previous episode. I have compared it to the experience of sleep paralysis and can't find a similarity to it since I've had a few actual sleep paralysis dreams. And though elements of that are found in this dream, this dream contains far more to it than just not being able to move. It was actually a lucid dream since I woke up in my bed and can see and realize that I was sleeping. So you could also say it was sort of an out-of-body experience, though after waking up and seeing that I was sleeping, I was almost instantly back in my body, especially because I was pushed back into my body 
by various unseen other invisible bodies that suddenly had their invisible hands upon me as they pushed me back into my body. I began to thrash my arms and legs as they held me down, and even though a gentle voice told me to calm down and that I needed to go through this, I continued to fight. It felt as if something were pressed against the side of my head on both sides, and then it felt like I was being electrocuted. Having recently at the time watched the horrifying movie Requiem for a Dream, in the dream experience itself, I remembered the scene when the old lady gets electrocharged on both sides of her head in the psych ward and instantly attributed whatever I was experiencing in the present lucid dream to what I had seen in the movie. This dream actually messed my sense of reality up for a while since I wondered if I maybe wasn't in a psych ward somewhere and just didn't realize it and that the Jonathan that lived and experienced life as he saw it was just the imagination of the real Jonathan that was actually inside of a psych ward and was a crazy person. The electrode charge kept happening on the side of my head and what was weird was I wasn't just feeling it in the head but it began to course throughout my body, especially my belly, which is where the feeling of immovableness was most pronounced since it felt like Thor's hammer had been dropped on me and I was unable to move or lift myself up because of it. I don't remember the experience actually ending. I just suddenly woke up in a hot sweat, terrified of what I just dreamt. It wouldn't be until I had the experience two more times in the negative and then once in the positive when I understood this was some other type of the experience of vibration I explained occurs during an actual mystical or spiritual experience, or the lowest form of the sensation of this when one meditates deeply and starts to feel the vibratory pulse on their foreheads between their eyebrows or on other parts of the brain. The next two negative times I had the experience, it felt again as if beings were holding me down, but when I consciously turned it into a positive experience the third time, there were no sensations of beings and I knew it to be some type of raising of the consciousness within. I know that sounds weird, but that's how I process these experiences. If we use more esoteric language, these experiences were like the raising of my vibration. As stated prior, I was reading and meditating like crazy during this time period with an actual regimented time frame of making sure I meditated in the morning after I woke up and before going to bed, along with slamming my head with book after book after book. So my mind was changing. My thoughts were changing. So naturally, I was changing and I suppose when this occurs to the degree it occurred with me, some type of retuning of the spiritual inside occurs, a higher attainment, a higher level of being. If we use other esoteric language or that of the New Ager or the Eastern religions, we can say that my auras were being cleansed or that my auras were being heightened or that the flow of energy within my auras or chakras had been enhanced or unlocked or opened up further and maybe these unseen beings were helping and are causing this to occur even though I fought it the first three times this occurred to me. I don't know, but I've given you every concept I've come across when trying to understand whatever this experience is. In contrast, when I've had just sleep paralysis, there were no feelings of beings around me, there was no vibratory sensations pulsating within my head, no vibratory sensations around my navel that made it feel like I couldn't move my torso. It was more like I couldn't move my legs since I was in between sleep and waking and I was telling myself to move my legs or arms and it didn't seem to be occurring. That's not at all whatever it is this experience has been the times I've had it. Now the superstitious interpretation of this experience. It matches perfectly what has been described as the succubus from medieval lore coming to take the sleeping person down to hell 
especially due to the feeling of an otherworldly being, or in my case, otherworldly beings in the plural, being felt in the dream. But the voice I heard wasn't trying to scare me. It was trying to calm me down and reassure me that whatever this was needed to occur. It was me that was scared, so I assumed the legend of the succubus was created to answer this strange experience in much the same manner, since obviously feeling like invisible beings are holding you down is a terrifying experience to have in that half-in, half-out lucid dream. Next, let's discuss the bizarre experience I have no explanation for and don't know if it was vision, dream, or crazy person in a temporary state of insanity for like five minutes, since I honestly don't know what this was, though as I've said, I have since understood its similarity to one of the myths of antiquity and have a theory as to what this is using scientific language as well. So I'm in my apartment, it's nighttime, and I get a phone call. I answer it, and on the other line is a girl saying what's up to me, by name. I have no clue who she is, and I say, hello, do I know you? And she says, what do you mean? Of course you know me. I answer, no, I have no idea who you are. Where do I know you from? She responds, I used to be your girlfriend. Mind you, this isn't the girl I was dating I mentioned during the near-death experience. When and where were you my girlfriend, I ask? When you were living down here in Orange County, she responds. At this point, I think my heart is exploding out of my chest. Why? Because during the entire 10 or so months I lived in Orange County prior to moving out to West LA, I didn't have a girlfriend. Other than some partying and stuff, I didn't even have a periodic fling while I was out there and sure as heck wasn't on friendship terms with any girl that would have had my number or anything deeper than just macking at a party or a club. I was in destruction mode during that time, constant drug and alcohol use and can barely keep a job, barely get my schoolwork done, let alone attempt at a girlfriend. I said in the previous dream that my sense of reality was out of whack for a time and this whatever it was only added to that confusion since in all truth I think this occurred after the being held down vibratory dream I just recounted. I tell her I'm seriously confused because I didn't have a girlfriend when I was living in Orange County and I really needed her to tell me her name and how she knew me. She responded, look, that's not important. What's important is your answer to this question. What type of woman are you more interested in being with? She then gave me two different options or personality types, I suppose. A woman that will love and honor you, but seek only to please you, or a woman that will love and respect you by challenging you to be your best. I gave her my answer, and she said, great, that's all I needed to hear. I tried to ask her again who she was, and she simply answered that she had to go. I asked if I'd hear from her again, and all she said was maybe. And that was it. This mystified me for over a decade and a half until I had the mystical experiences again in 2018, had a similar dream afterwards, and then understood the dream better when I was able to match almost exactly the myth in antiquity that this experience denotes. If you can guess or look up the myth this dream represents, then you're on the right path towards understanding the mysteries and how they were and have been handed down. I won't say any more on this experience right now, but when we get to the mystical experiences I had in 2018, I will touch back on this and the myth from antiquity that this experience mirrors, along with the scientific explanation I have for what in God's name this experience might be denoting. My head exploded when I realized the myth this experience mirrored is all I can say. I said I'd talk about healing hands again and the dream attached to it, though a bit out of linear time since this occurred once I'd moved out of West LA and was attending the University of Riverside 
and even more interesting probably since it wasn't my dream, but my then girlfriend and future and still wife. I think I'm in 2004 at this point. I think I was still in school and hadn't graduated, but I may have already graduated. I can't remember exactly. Context. At this point, I'd returned to studying some spontaneous healing works I'd come across at a bargain book sale somewhere. I can't remember the book or the author's name, but he wasn't a doctor, but that other type of doctor, a DA or a DO, I can't remember exactly, whatever the title is for the type of doctor that focuses on homeopathic medicine. All I remember was the author had a picture of himself and he had a super long, thick gray and white beard and was bald and the book had a white cover that had that linen look and texture to it some hardcover books sometimes have. Anyways, the book was about all the spontaneous healing he'd personally witnessed along with the various stories of such things he'd amassed to write the book. When I say spontaneous healing, the story I best remember from the book was a woman that was told she had terminal cancer and six months to live. She exhausted herself getting other opinions on the matter and everywhere she went, modern medicine told her the same thing. But the woman was resolved not to die and by choosing not to die, and maybe in this particular story it might have been that lack of water stuff some people talk about and she started drinking a ton more water to clear herself out. I can't remember the details of what she did since all that mattered to me was her internal resolution not to die and that by the force of her mind overcoming the negativity of what all the doctors were telling her, she miraculously healed from terminal cancer and it never returned. If I remember correctly, I think the author said that story was from like 17 years prior and the woman was still alive, cancer-free, after having been told she only had six months to live. So I was working my thoughts around this type of stuff, along with some other books I'd read about healing hands and the power of healing hands and therapeutic touch and distance healing through prayer and such things as that. When we get to my disillusion experience, I'll explain why I abandoned such things in case you missed that brief explanation in a previous episode. Further context. When I met my future wife, she was about five years removed from a terrible car accident that had brought her intense amounts of daily back pain. She was taking Motrin all the time for it, and though the insurance had paid for chiropractic sessions for a while, the sessions didn't accomplish much. And once that expired, none of the healthcare options she had over those five to six years would cover any further therapy for her back. She was basically living in daily pain from this. So we're in my apartment, and I think we just finished eating, probably burritos, and she's half Mexican, and had started watching a movie when the pain came upon her. I'd seen it occur a couple times already, and this one was particularly bad. She downed the Motrin and sat back down to watch the movie and quickly slipped off into sleep on the couch. Because she needed to stretch out to ease her back, I was sitting on the floor in front of the couch. This was very early in our relationship, and though she knew I was into spiritual stuff, she didn't know at all that I was into learning about these types of healings and laying on of hands. And I was filled with a sudden rush of compassion for her and wanted to try and help ease her pain and suffering with what she was dealing with. She happened to have fallen asleep on the couch face down, so her back was perfectly exposed to me. I sat up and started to move my hands up and down her back. From whatever books I had read back then, you weren't supposed to actually touch the body, but sort of hover just above and focus on the hot feelings of energy or warmth on the hands and the energy in between the hands and the body to which the healing was being performed. Whatever it is these books had taught, though, wasn't only what was going through my head. I was praying to God to heal her, to bless her, to ease and remove the pain in her back visualizing invisible bolts of golden energy descending down into my head from heaven and flowing through my body and hands and into her body 
And though I knew God could do this on his own, it pleased him to do so through whatever human was praying for the healing. I did this for a good 20 minutes until my arms were sore from the exercise. Now I said I was praying inside of my mind. I want to make that clear so that you don't misunderstand and think I was praying verbally. I was not and am not a verbal prayer person. I'm an introvert, a mental person, and the only time I pray aloud is when I'm in church or saying bedtime prayers with my daughters. I'm only saying this so that the skeptic can rule out some sort of subliminal stuff occurring in my future wife's mind as she slept, as in, if I was verbally praying in a way that she could hear through her ears and into her brain and subconscious even though she was sleeping. This is not what occurred since I'm not a verbal prayer person. The prayer was entirely in the confines of my mind and she was completely unaware of what I was doing since she was sleeping and neither had I told her I was going to try doing this to her and neither was she aware that I was reading and studying such things. Only a few moments after I stopped, she woke up in that, oh my God, I didn't realize I'd fallen asleep way. She came to suddenly, I think is the way of expressing this. She sat up on the couch, wiping away the feeling of sleep from her face and expressed her stupor at not realizing she'd fallen asleep. I told her she'd been asleep for about 20 to 30 minutes and asked if she wanted me to start the movie back up. She said, yeah, in a bit, but man, I had the strangest dream. My spidey sense instantly began to tingle and I asked her what she dreamt of. She said, I dreamt that two angels came down from heaven descending down through the sky and told me that my back pain was going to be lifted from me and that I would never have it again. I thanked them and they flew away back up and into the sky. No words can describe my amazement. I didn't know what to do at that moment. Do I tell her? Do I keep it to myself? I had a fear that if I told her that it would like revoke the healing and the experience or something like that. That if I brought it up to her and told her that it would spoil the healing for some reason but this had been her dream. Certainly my telling her what I'd done wouldn't revoke the dream she'd had, would it? I took the chance and told her what I had done while she was sleeping, starting with a, well, you're not going to believe me, but that dream is confirmation of something I was doing while you were sleeping or something to that degree. I told her, she responded with the, wow, that's pretty amazing. And in the 16 years since, has never complained about the type of back pain she'd received and endured from that car accident five years prior to my meeting her. I know it sounds crazy that I would eventually walk away from trying to develop this healing of hands further, but after my disillusioned experience and after beginning to read the works of my patron saint, St. John of the Cross, I would come to understand that I'd have to let go of each and every one of these apparent spiritual powers and gifts that I seem to possess if I would follow the Christ down the narrow path and St. John up the Mount of Carmel. Hopefully when we get to it, you'll understand more deeply why and agree with the decision that I had to make for my spiritual development. The remaining important dreams wouldn't come until leading up to and during and after my mystical experiences in 2018, so I'll leave off of dreams for the time being and return to them when we reach closer to the present moment. The only other serious experience I had during this time occurred about a year removed from leaving West LA and about a year prior to this healing experience with my future wife, so sometime over the summer in 2003. It would be the last time I did any drugs, and as I said prior, it was only one hit of weed from a joint and the experimenter in me wanting to see if the same type of experiences I'd had two years prior would be repeated. I was in Vegas. I don't remember what the hell I was doing out there, but after a solid year and a half of literally enclosing myself in my apartment in West LA 
and somehow achieving being a world renouncer as in the Eastern religion concept while not actually being a world renouncer. Friends and family were literally dragging me out of my apartment to visit or hang out with them. This is actually where I even came across the hermetical works because I had looked up the definition of a hermit since that's what everybody around me had begun to call me. So naturally, I looked up the word and somehow from that simple act came across the hermetical works of Hermes Trismegistus and read what I found of them online, I think, during this time. I got into reading the works since I thought it was going to be about the life of a hermit or something to that order, which is really rather funny now that I think about it considering the depth of mystical explanation contained in them. So I'd been dragged out of my self-made cave of mystical and philosophic exploration and wound up in Las Vegas for some reason I can't quite recall. Of course, I was with a few of the same people I'd been with during the speed-smoking near-death experience, and they started smoking weed inside of whatever hotel we were in. The only cool thing about the room was that it was overlooking the Strip. It happens to be raining on this night, and if you've ever been in the desert during a thunder and rainstorm, you know it can get pretty loud. They were smoking the joint, asked if I wanted to puff, and I decided I'd give it a try after a two-year hiatus. I took one hit, instantly hated the taste, instantly started coughing like a newbie, Instantly had to answer once again how long it had been since I'd smoked since every time they'd managed to drag me out of my meditative state. The same questions of when was the last time I drank, when was the last time I'd smoked, and why are you doing that, or why aren't you drinking or smoking anymore, was all that could be asked of me as I was contemplating the universe. After I stopped coughing, I walked over to the window. It was open, so the thick sweltering breeze and scent of hot desert rain flooded my senses. When I looked outside, it was as if the thundercloud was hovering directly above the Las Vegas Strip, as if the clouds themselves were yelling at the hordes of drunkards below to watch its lightning show and to hear its orchestra of thunder as peals of thunder erupted over and over again and the bolts in the sky illuminated one after another. So I'm not sure if I had a vision or not. It was just one hit, but I did start to feel that organization of the mind that I'd worked towards creating dissolve a bit as the drug began to work within me. But as I was looking out the window at the thunderclouds, my sight sort of zipped up and into the clouds, like there was no longer any distance from my eyes and the clouds themselves. And there was a sound within it. I focused on the sound, and it sounded like swords clashing, like a battle was occurring within the clouds. The battle between heaven and hell, angel and demon, was what I thought, and I remember double-checking what I was hearing in the clouds versus that omnipresent hum of Vegas partygoers that fills the strip at night, and I could tell they were two different sounds. And that was it. I don't remember anything else other than that expanding mind feeling quickly going away, telling myself I'd never smoke weed again, again, and I've stuck to that even after its legalization and even having a couple random dreams of seeing myself smoking weed again. An interesting synchronous thing eventually came about from this, and again, I know with some of the things I say, especially when I reference movies as secondary visuals, they may have you wondering if I wasn't just being influenced in some deep manner by the various imagery that exists in these movies, and to be honest, it's a valid question to ask. But several years later, a movie came out called Immortals, starring the actor that plays Superman in the Zack Snyder movies. It was a very graphic novel-like interpretation of the Greek myths, with the main character named Theseus, with the only similarity to the myth being that there was a Minotaur villain character in it, and some priestesses were roasted in a statue of a bull. Anyways, if you see the poster for the movie, or watch it until the end, when the main character's son looks up into the sky and sees the gods battling the titans in the heavens above, 
That's what it sounded like on this Vegas night as I was peering into the blackened thunder cloud. And for further reference, this is another example of how the vision itself has been depicted in popular media. I couldn't put it on my website, though, because the rights to the image were too expensive, along with all other movie references I know of. I didn't see anything like what was in this movie, but I heard it, the clashing and ringing of sword and shield. I just checked and this movie came out in 2011, so a full eight years after the experience I had on this night in 2003. Obviously, you can say I'm just inserting the imagery from this movie to explain what I saw or heard on this night. Hopefully, I've been honest enough so far throughout this podcast that you know that's not what I'm doing and that I'm simply recounting these experiences as they occurred to me and giving a similar visual and popular media to help show or explain what I experienced. I'm not entirely sure what I'll get into in the next episode. It felt like I was moving super slow during the first couple of episodes this season just trying to explain the near-death, death-like mystical experience, and now I've blasted through a ton of stuff in just the last two episodes. But I've mentioned this creepy disillusion experience several times, and it's the next thing that occurred to me in sequential time, so I think we'll get into not only that, but the entirety of the teachings and thoughts that existed in my mind that led to this downfall experience. Until next time. If you have yet to visit LogosofExperienceAndTruth.com and borne witness to and made the connection of the near thousand images portraying what is seen during the mystical vision throughout all time, all peoples, all cultures, all traditions, the visual representation of the epitomes of science and all religions, make sure to visit and see and judge for yourself if what is shown equals my claim to experience and truth and that which potentially unites all the deeper hidden invisible mysteries of humankind.